Rinkwide Vancouver. The Canucks Cedar five-game win streak come to an end. A 5-2 loss in Toronto on Saturday night. They got the lead. In fact, they had a pair of first-period leads, but after that, it was all Maple Leafs as they score four unanswered goals, and they win it going away. And so the Vancouver Canucks will try to start a new win streak on Sunday in Montreal. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's a presentation of Betway. It's Jeff, and it's Blake with you, and we're here to break it all down. And Blake, they're probably wondering in the center of the universe... What was all that noise out of the West Coast over the first month of the season? They were fortunate in the opening period that the uh, Maple Leafs insisted on making life difficult on themselves by taking those instigator penalties. And even the brief amounts of even strength that were in the first period, the Canucks were still able to hold them to three shots on goal. So the first period was fine enough and the power play seemed to work. But they didn't use the power play to their advantage in the second period, and and it's probably right there that the game was lost. They didn't play that well, you know, in totality, but if they were able to just keep the power play hot through the second period, Jeff, they'd probably live to see at least a single point tonight. Yeah, I don't know if this was the turning point for me, but I go back to that five on three. Yeah. And anytime a team takes a too many men on the ice penalty when they're already shorthanded, like talk about serving up a, a gift. And the way the Canucks power play has been going, they had the two man advantage for 23 seconds. And that was 23 of the most dreadful seconds of Canucks hockey this season. Like, they were horrible. As good as they have been with the man advantage and as good as they were in the first period, they get a five on three, they lose the faceoff, and then it was just calamity after that. And so an opportunity to restore the lead, and instead they spin their wheels there, and the Leafs actually had a couple of opportunities on that part of the power play, and then the ensuing five on four power play, and... Ultimately, the Leafs get the go-ahead goal with five minutes to go, a fourth-line goal, Noah Gregor off the rush, a goal that Thatcher Demko just hasn't been giving up all season long. But even at that, it's a 3-2 hockey game going to the third. We know how much offense the Canucks can generate, and unfortunately for them, just didn't have it. And so this was an opportunity lost. The Leafs were playing back-to-back three and four nights. Uh, The Canucks got a bit of a break when they found out that they were going to face Ilya Samsonov in goal, who... Hasn't stopped many pucks this year and hadn't won since the 14th of October, so coming up on a full month uh, since his last victory, but he was all right, and he made the saves he was supposed to, and really for the first time all season, and maybe it can cut a guy a break when it's the first time all season a month in, but beyond the goals that Thatcher Demko gave up, it was positioning. It was Thatcher Demko losing the net. It was Thatcher Demko spinning around in his crease and facing the crossbar, which, as I understand it, I've not played the goalie position at that level, but generally you're supposed to face the shooters, and he just looked off, and yes. it kind of felt like the team took a cue from its star netminder tonight. I thought that he... Uh... Just looked a little bit out of sorts tonight, absolutely. Although, you know what, it afflicted everybody. Like, the calibration was off for everybody. He was overcommitting, certainly, and losing the pucks, as you mentioned. But I, I thought Elias Pettersson and Queen Hughes were off tonight. For the most part, I thought everybody was off. And I don't know what that was necessarily about. But hopefully they, they snap to focus tomorrow versus Montreal and get back to some calibration because ho-hum easy plays. They were just being a little casual with the puck stuck in their skates and, you know, no urgency to find it again. And they were just off to a man all night long. No, I, I would agree with you. And when you look at the numbers, 
you know, Pius Suter leads this team with four shots on goal, and I'm not surprised to see that because he scored one of the two Canuck goals and actually was one of the guys that was going on this night. And when we look at the underlying numbers, that line of Suter between Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland, the shot attempts were 24 to 6 at even strength for that line. The scoring chances were 8 to 1, and yet they didn't score, and the Leafs got some offense from lower in their lineup. And that was one of the storylines. Like, look through the scorers. I mean, JT Miller opened the scoring, but I don't see Elias Pettersson. I don't see Austin Matthews. I don't see Mitch Marner. I guess Nylander did score, so I do see him on the score sheet. He's up to, to double digits now. But, uh, you know, for the most part, the Canucks, I think, would have taken the night when Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner weren't all that prominent. But the trade-off there was, you're right, Elias Pettersson. And, you know, it's funny, when he's going... And people, they're all aboard the Elias Pettersson train, and he picked up an assist. He got the second helper on the Miller goal, so he's up to 25 points on the season. But on these rare nights when he hasn't been going, you know, people, and I saw a lot of noise on social about, oh, he's got to be hurt. He's, you know, the guy's allowed to have an off night. I mean, he's just been all world for the most part to this stage of the season, so I'm not ready to chalk it up to any sort of injury. He, like Demko and others, as you said, and throw Philip Hironik. Look, uh, I'll take a dozen really good games from Philip Hironik if the trade-off is you know, the odd the odd off night. But yeah, the pairing of Hironik and Hughes that's just been out of this world good for the Canucks. They found themselves on the other end of the spectrum in this hockey game. And, and Elias Pettersson just didn't seem to have it along with his line mates, uh, Ilya Mikheyev and, and Andre Kuzmenko. So... Uh, the Canucks goals, both of them come on the power play, which went two for six on the night, generated 11 of their 32 shots on goal, but at even strength. The Vancouver Canucks get absolutely buried on the scoreboard. The Leafs goals all coming at five on five in this hockey game. Yeah, and that was the worry is that, uh, you know, after they got those first couple power plays or three power plays and couple power play goals, it almost felt like they were then fishing for the power play the rest of the night rather than just working on their five-on-five play. Maybe it was just that kind of night where it was a complete saw-off between each of the top sixes of the Canucks and the Leafs where neither side was able to make that big uh, of an inroad in. There was just nothing much there. And while that Joshua line was was pretty good, I think 20 of those 24 shot attempts were... (laughs) We're in the final uh, 90 seconds there. Um, <laughs> while they were uh, pretty good, ultimately the bottom line is not there. And that would have been a nice night for the depth to rear its head a little bit. But uh, maybe that was asking a bit much considering they've started to rear their heads a little bit in the last couple of games anyway. So to carry the team again, maybe uh, a stride too far. So they'll they'll have to just lick wounds and hope that Teddy Bluger's insertion into the lineup helps to kickstart them versus the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow. They fall to 10-3-1 on the season. I mean, it's still been this incredible start. You know, one outright loss now, this one, in their last 10 hockey games. So you're not going to win them all. We've been saying that for a while. Losses are going to happen. And I think even the Canucks will accept that you're going to lose some hockey games for Rick Tockett. And I'll be interested to hear sort of his view uh, on this game. You know, one thing to lose, another not to play well. And we have said that on some recent rink wides. I think of the home game against Nashville that they got away with early in the Edmonton game that you referenced. Uh, they could have been blown out, but Demko was that good that night. And even the other night in Ottawa, when they got outshot by a 2-1 to margin, I'm not sure they were at the top of their game, but their stars rose to the occasion. Again, these nights are going to happen. And, I mean, there have been so few losses for the Canucks when you can rattle them off off the top of your head and only use three fingers to get there in terms of regulation losses, weren't very good that night in Philadelphia. 
And for the longest time, that had stood as the outlier. You know, they were game in Tampa. They got within a goal in the late stages to let a minute to try to, to get the equalizer. So there was really no shame in the way that they played against a really good team like the Tampa Lightning. But I do sort of feel, at least at even strength, this game more resembled that game against the Philadelphia Flyers. They got shut out by Philly. They did get two on the power play, but at evens, they got shut out here. And so, you know, the beauty of sport, anytime you lose, you always say, well, you get to get back on the horse, and they will. But the challenge now is the end of the road trip here, three and four with some travel against a Montreal team that pulled off a pretty good win against the mm-hmm. Boston Bruins in overtime. In fact, the Habs' last couple of games have gone to overtime, and they found ways to win there. So it'll be back-to-back for both of those teams, and we'll see what the Canucks have left in their tank. But if they were at all fatigued, if they were a tired team here on Saturday against Toronto, that doesn't bode well for the end of the trip, and yet it's still there for the taking. Get a win in Montreal, you come home with two of a possible three. You win two of three all season long, I tell you, you'll be in the playoffs when the season ends. I was told not to get greedier than that. I, I suggested 2-0-1 was possible, and, and I think it was Matt and you, and maybe it was Quad Susan. Like, oh, stop it. 2-0-3 is fine. So, yeah, you're right. If they if they just shed this and go into Montreal and get the win, never mind 2-3. 2-3 on the road, you're going to be very happy with uh, most three-game trips. So still absolutely salvageable, this Eastern Canadian road trip. They just need to be a lot better than they were here tonight. Yeah, and I think when you scratch sort of beneath the surface a little bit, there were some missed opportunities here. Again, they had the lead, and then they restored the lead, both of those power play goals in the first period. But keep in mind, and you talked about the fact that, uh, you know, one of the stories on the the Leafs side of things is going to be this physical response and sticking up for teammates. Uh, They take two instigators, and the Canucks score on both of them. So I'm not sure how wise that was on the part of Mark Giordano and Max Domi. But the Giordano penalty... Two for instigating, five for fighting, a 10-minute misconduct. He's off for 17 minutes. And when he's sitting there, that means more ice time for a guy like John Klingberg, who essentially had played his way out of the Leafs lineup and isn't the best defenseman. And I thought, okay, there's an opportunity for the Canucks over the balance of the first period to try to make some hay. And they couldn't. The only goals they got, again, coming with the man advantage. So they had the lead after one, but I would have liked to have seen them, and I'm sure they would have liked to have seen them stretch that lead. That part didn't happen. And then the other part, as we said, Austin Matthews had scored in 10 straight home games against the Vancouver Canucks. Like, it was almost automatic. When you see the Canucks on the schedule going into Toronto, you could almost put one on the board for Austin Matthews. That's how regularly he has beaten up on this Vancouver Hockey Club, but I didn't notice him. I don't know. Maybe did you? Like I, you know, we talk about Patterson, and this is a Canucks post-game pod, but Matthews is the leading goal scorer in the National Hockey League and truly one of the great players in this league. I, like that's as quiet as I can remember him against the Vancouver Canucks in a long, long time. This was a big night. I think the Leafs should have been ready for a big night. Willie Nylander was kind of noticeable, but other than that, I think on a lot of fronts, you're probably disappointed if you're the Leafs because how often are you going to, on a big night, when you need a win to sort of get some momentum back in your season, how often are the bottom six forwards going to carry the day for you and the superstars go absent? So both sides are probably wondering where their big guns went on this night, even though the fact that, you know, Miller does score and and Pedersen and Hughes do get points in in the end, they didn't exactly carry play. I'm sure both sides uh, would have liked to have had an easier night because their superstars were playing like superstars, and that just didn't happen. We will hear from the head coach as we roll through this uh, rink-wide episode, but uh, he's quoted after the game in Toronto saying, absolutely, Teddy Bluger will be inserted into the lineup against the Montreal Canadiens, and that begs that question, again, that we've kicked around. 
who comes out. And we talked about the stellar night, at least uh, the underlying numbers for Joshua, who gets into a scrap. And, you know, you want him to be physical. And the Canucks were physical. Uh, obviously, Joshua with the big hit on camp. That drew the attention of Giordano. And then Ian Cole, we saw it last week against the Dallas Stars, where he trucked uh, Matt Duchesne, and that drew a response. And this time, the big hit on Robertson, and in came Max Domi. So, you know, the Canucks were trying to be physical. They were trying to take the body. It drew a reaction. All of that part went according to plan for the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, uh, there are candidates lower in the lineup. And, uh, you know, another night goes by the wayside for a guy like Anthony Bovillier who picked up an assist on the power play, but uh, at even strength, there just isn't a whole lot there in his game these days. You wonder if he's the guy. Uh, Sam Lafferty's had some nights and against the Leafs, the team that traded him to the Canucks, kind of thought maybe we'd see him rise up, but uh, he was quiet in this game and, and Niels Hoaglander as well. So I think you'll look at that fourth line. Lafferty probably stays in because I think they want to see what that fourth line looks like with Lafferty and Bluger together. So I think you probably have narrowed it down to two guys. And as much as we have had the discussion about Niels Hoaglander and whether he comes out of the lineup, he didn't necessarily make the best case to stay in the lineup with his performance in this one. And this would have been a game where I would have thought it would have been easier for Niels Hoaglander to insert himself into the uh, conversation because this game had a little bit of edge to it with the fights and, and stuff like that. And he could have been a pest. He could have been needling the Leafs a little bit and just didn't seem to come easily for him. Like I thought Connor Garland, for heaven's sakes, was sort of more in the Leafs' face than Niels Hoaglander was. So a little bit disappointing that, that Hoaglander couldn't make a bigger case. And Joshua clearly was was trying to make a case for himself. And, and those were the two guys that were probably tops on my list going in. And I think it's only one guy coming out for me. I think Sam Lafferty probably gets spared, but uh, boy, the underlying number is not pretty in this one. His uh, individual course, he had 18.7%. The shot attempts were 13 to 3 in favor of the Leafs, and the shots on goal were 4 to 1. So the Leafs didn't translate that into a ton of shots on goal, but uh, in terms of the Canucks generating much, uh, that fourth line has had some nights already this season, but uh, certainly was not the case in this one. 5 2 is the final score. The Toronto Maple Leafs defeat the Vancouver Canucks again, just the third outright loss of the season for this hockey club. So, you know, hard to get too worked up. Uh, they've won some games that they probably didn't deserve to. They didn't deserve to win this one, but uh, losses are going to happen, as we said. And Did they make the Ilya Samsonov look better? Like, he's he's been in his own head so much. Like It, it would have been nice to see the Canucks try to get him off his game or make him doubt himself. Did they make him look better than he was tonight, or did they not do enough to test him, really, even though they got over 30 shots? Yeah, I mean, that number to me is a little bit misleading. Again, 11 of them came on the power play. I have nothing in my notes, Blake, that resembles anything of a spectacular save. That's what uh, I'm saying. You know, Bovillier had a chance on the power play when it was still scoreless early in the hockey game. A great feed, backhand feed, too, from Mikheyev in the corner. I just don't think the Leafs thought that he was going to saucer that out in front, and he put it on a platter for Bovillier. And again, a player that's uh, fighting it and has really all season kind of drilled it right at Samsonov. It was a great scoring opportunity, but he didn't do enough with it. But other than that, I, I really, I think I, you know, Demko, and we talked about the fact that he was beaten for five and kind of lost his net. Like the save that he made off Tyler Bertuzzi moments before the 2 2 goal, like I thought, oh, like there's a big play. You know, he preserves the lead 
and then the Canucks proceeded to run around in their own zone. They never really did get possession, and eventually the puck worked to the side of the net, and there was uh, Nylander, you know, banking in off Tyler Myers, and away you go. So I think we can spare the criticism of Myers. Like, yeah, he went in off him, but there was plenty to go around. Like, there are some nights where you'd think, oh man, Tyler Myers, you putting a puck in your own net, but it, that's not great. That's not the way you draw it up, but uh, I, I have other culprits on my list uh, far above Tyler Myers on this night. So, you know, it, it's one game and what the Canucks have done well, for the most part, they did lose back-to-back in Philadelphia and Tampa, but and I think good teams find a way to nip losing streaks in the bud. Now, I'm not going to say one game is a losing streak, but you don't want it to become two and three. And so this team has done well to find ways to turn things back in their favor. And we'll see if they can do that in Montreal on Sunday night. Uh, again, lots to come here on Rinkwide Vancouver. We've got our three-star selection. We'll get to the stat that stands out. And we will turn our attention to the Canucks and the Habs to wrap up this quick three-game in four-night road trip. But uh, it's time right now, Blake, for our Betway Bet of the Day. And for me, I'm going to look at uh, the Montreal and Vancouver game and... Because things were tough to come by, goals tough to come by for the Vancouver Canucks, I'm going to look at the over-under total goals, five and a half, and I'm going to take the under there, 265. I mean, I could see, hey, they only scored three goals, one in overtime, the Montreal Canadiens tonight, and I think what Rick Tockett's going to preach going into this game is to be a lot stingier, a lot tighter. And with that in mind, maybe they sort of neuter themselves a little bit and sort of slow the game down. So I'm going under five and a half to pay out at 265. That is your Betway bet of the day. Must be 19 plus to play and please play responsibly. The Canucks didn't play all that responsibly in Toronto, but they get another chance on Sunday in Montreal. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Quite Vancouver on a night the Canucks fall 5-2 to the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to hear from Rick Tockett here in a sec, Blake. But before we do that, and I saw you make note on social of this, so we should probably talk about it. JT Miller opens the scoring. He's up to nine goals on the season. A goal that we have seen him score an awful lot in his time as a Canuck. That downhill sort of snapshot as he peels up high and then attacks with some speed. Uh, he's in a goal-scoring groove right now. He's scored in three straight and seven of his last eight hockey games. It's uh, an underrated part of his game. We talk about Elias Pettersson's shot a lot. And, I mean, that's his trademark goal, right? Like, that. how many times have we seen it? Uh, it's often on the power play, but he can do it five-on-five five as well. It's one thing we just haven't regarded when we've talked about what JT Miller brings to the table is a pretty lethal shot. You know, on the man advantage, it's going to keep, teams pretty honest all season long because they have to, by reputation, monitor what Pedersen's doing at the other circle, of course. And now that Quinn Hughes has decided he's going to be a shooter as well, I don't think they can hedge now. They have to really, they should be, if they're doing their scouting properly, they should be pretty worried about all three points there for the Vancouver Canucks on the attack. All right, let's uh, hear from the head coach after this one. Uh, again, there's been a lot to like in what Rick Tockett has seen, really, since he took over, but uh, particularly this year, uh, starting with the opening night victory over the Edmonton Oilers and, and rolling from there. He's got a hockey club that's 10-3-1, so you know not a lot of bones to pick with his club overall, but on a night like tonight, uh, they weren't good enough, particularly in key moments in this hockey game and over the final 
uh, 40 minutes, they get outscored 4 nothing. So it's pretty hard to win when that is the case. Here's Rick Tockett on the fact that uh, his team had to work a little harder. Well, it's just creeped the last couple of games. You know, we got to make sure that we're, you know, we, we got to work a little bit harder, I thought. Um, we had those two power play goals, and then uh, we got a bunch of power plays. You know, we didn't have the killer instinct, and then, you know, our five-on-five play wasn't, you know, wasn't that great. He mentions no killer instinct, and I would agree. We talked about that, uh, those power plays uh, in the second period. There were opportunities there for the Canucks to reestablish the lead. I mean, this is a team that has shown the killer instinct, so I don't think he's you know throwing a blanket over the idea that they don't have the killer instinct. This was sort of an isolated, they didn't have it on Saturday night. He's going to address this a little bit later, too, when we hear from him again, but I don't know if they were satisfied with the win in Ottawa or more recently satisfied with the two power play goals in the first period, but everything from there on in, from the moment the second goal goes in on the power play, it seemed like they just maybe thought things were going to be easy. And again, this is subconscious, folks. We're not saying that they actually are thinking this should be easy here in the cauldron that is Toronto. Everything. The passes were a little bit behind, a little bit slow. Their urgency to dig pucks out of their own skates if they did get caught flat-footed. It was just odd. It was a really odd performance by them over the Final 40. Yeah, and again, power play goes two for six, so it's still humming along better than 30% on the season, but it looked great the first period, not so much the rest of the way. And talk, it talked about that. The, the, the second period power plays kind of dogged his hockey club and took some of the life out of the way the Canucks played the rest of the night. Well, I think when we got the two, it got us some juice, but then we had a couple, and I, they weren't good for some reason. I don't know. Um, and then sometimes with our when that goes bad, it seems like it affects our five-on-five five play. It was a lot of penalties and stuff, and it just was... I don't know if it was the flow or whatever, but we, uh, Toronto, uh, they worked hard. You know, they were down and they came back and they uh, they took over. And there he mentions, you know, the power play or the lack of success in the second period kind of bled into the five on five. And I would agree with that, that, you know, power plays, even if they don't score, can generate a ton of momentum. You can wear down uh, defenses. Uh, I just didn't think they did any of that. And particularly that 23 second stretch of five on three play that, you know what I mean, hit the lead on that. Nobody needs to watch the the five on three uh, ever again. One more thought from Rick Tockett on this one. And again, a topic that we've touched on here already on Rick White, and that is that you know, it's one loss. They're going to happen. The real test comes in how do they bounce back. And they haven't had to bounce back very often this season, but they will have to do that in Montreal. So uh, trying to keep this one loss in perspective. Well, I, I mean, obviously we had a good run. And, uh, you know, the lesson is I thought we were a little slow with our puck. This was even our breakouts, a little bit slow. We talked about Toronto. They're really good at uh, stripping pucks. I thought we were slow on our breakouts. And then what happens is, you know, Hits, hits something, it goes in front, and you know, and then we, we don't have our, our rail guy there to, to help out. But yeah, it was just one of those games. We got we to flush it. It was, wasn't good. And there he talked about the fact that, uh, you know, issues with the breakouts and just scrambly and, and off on this night. And, and so I think the coach saw it kind of the same way that uh, we did uh, throughout this hockey game. This is a good team. Like, I know we, I know Canuck fans were, were just wanting to beat the Leafs. The Leafs are a good team. They are off to a very average start. And their goaltending, like the Oilers that we've seen, you know, their goaltending is not reliable. But this is a good team. Like, this team will be in the playoffs. They will be probably in a top three playoff position, I predict, by the end of of the season. So you expect them to, at different points in the season, have a bad start in a hockey game and then fight back and find a way. And that's what the Leafs did here tonight. This performance by the Canucks would be a lot harder to take tomorrow 
versus the Montreal Canadiens. That's the difference here is this is a pretty decent team. There's not a ton of shame in losing to them, and there's not a ton of shame in, in ultimately having them find their way in a, on a night like tonight. But as long as you nip it all in the bud here against a better team and make sure that a, a low light, a team that's not going to be in the playoffs like the Montreal Canadiens, doesn't do the same to you, then you've learned something and, and you're wiser for it. We asked listeners uh, at the final buzzer for some feedback and their thoughts on this one. And uh, one of the questions, obviously, is who should come out to make room for Teddy Bluger? It, it does sort of feel universal that uh, Anthony Beauvillier is in the crosshairs of a, a lot of Canuck mm-hmm. fans. I've seen a lot of Anthony Beauvillier that uh, it's just it's time to sort of sit him down and send the message. They did that with Dakota Joshua. I uh, remember last year, early in the season, Connor Garland was a healthy scratch, whether it was right or wrong, Andre Kuzmenko at one point. I mean, it can happen higher in the lineup, but it kind of feels like right now that uh, Anthony Beauvillier is the guy that uh, most Canuck fans uh, are looking at. And we'll see how that all shakes down on Sunday. A lot of people also looking at that five on three and that, uh, a missed opportunity. So we've covered that off. We should just say three shots for Beauvillier, a lot of them late there, but nothing for Niels Hoaglander. Like, I know people love Niels Hoaglander, so they don't want him to come out. But like, there's nothing there. Not, not a shot attempt for Niels Hoglander. It's a, a tough night uh, for him and his line mates. A uh, tough night to pick the three stars as well. Like It was an odd mm. game with so much star power. And the three stars selected in the building by Hockey Night in Canada, Noah Gregor, Ilya Samsonov, and Mark Giordano. Now, Giordano feels like he's getting the wow. old man bump there because he dropped the gloves. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that he was one of the, the stars in this game. But I have no issues. I, I look at my rink-wide... And I'm going with Noah Gregor as well. Like it was a big goal. You know, it turns out to be the game winner. And so, you know, it's not like he dominated this game, but I, I thought the Leafs got some some life out of their bottom six forwards. And I know that that was one of the stories that hasn't happened nearly enough for them. The Canucks have had a handful of nights where their bottom guys have risen to the challenge. This wasn't one of them, but uh, I've got Noah Gregor uh, as the first star. I'm going to go with William Nylander. He scored his 10th of the year. He also had some opportunities. He's prominent. Uh, he's in a groove right now. And so, you know, I noticed him of the the star collective in this hockey game. Uh, I noticed him a lot more than others. And I thought Pia Suter was probably the best of uh, a Canuck team that just wasn't dialed in on this night. Uh, scores his fourth of the year. You know, this is a guy that, you know, he's kind of been in that 14 or 15 goals uh, in, in all three of his years in the National Hockey League. And so that's pretty consistent. And that's kind of where I figured, you know, he would be. He's getting second unit power play time. I don't know if that's going to continue all season, but he is a center and maybe uh, that will keep him in that rotation at the very least. But He's up to four after a bit of a slow start. He has scored here uh, a bunch recently, and so he's well on his way to uh, sort of that uh, 15-goal mark. And as I said, led the Canucks with four shots on goal in this hockey game, and his line with Garland and Joshua spent most of their shifts in the offensive zone. So seven shot attempts in the game. The only Canuck that bettered him was, you know, the sniper, uh, Tyler Myers. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You know, you don't want Pia Suter to be one of your better players on a lot of nights and that's not a knock on him but they need more from guys higher in the lineup and just wasn't there I mean a quiet night for Brock Besser it was a another quiet night for Kuzmenko and we've spent some post games talking about him he has one goal in his last nine games now and yeah, so there are others. Uh, we like Phil DiGiuseppe's game in Ottawa, not to single out any one individual, just the group had to be better. And we'll see if they are as they roll into Montreal to finish up the road trip on Sunday night. Uh, still ahead here on Rink Wide, we'll get into our stat that stands out. Uh, we'll look ahead to that game against the Habs and uh, a few more thoughts after this 5 2 loss. The Canucks fall to the Leafs in Toronto. This is Rink Wide, Vancouver.
Continuing to break down this 5-2 Canucks setback. In fact, uh, that's been the score in both of these games here on this road trip. The other night in Ottawa, it was 2-2, and then the Canucks pulled away, scored three unanswered goals here. Canucks had the 2-1 lead, and it was the Leafs with four straight goals. Nylander, Nyes, Gregor, Robertson, Camp, and you can bet that Sheldon Keefe and Leaf fans are doing cartwheels because uh, those names do not litter score sheets very often, and uh, they did in this hockey game. And so, again, from the Canucks, we talked about missed opportunities. You keep Matthews, you keep Marner, you keep Tavares in check. There's certainly enough firepower. Morgan Riley, I thought, had a relatively quiet game. I know he picked up the primary assist on the Noah Gregor goal that turns out to be the, the game winner, but West Vancouver's Morgan Riley, kind of drawn to him and the success that he's had in Leaf colors, but uh, didn't really notice him an awful lot in this hockey game. How about you? No, uh, no, I didn't. The very best players on the ice were not very noticeable on either side, which is too bad because this had the potential to be an absolute bar burner back and forth. I don't think we really saw that. And I don't know if the power plays early were to blame for sort of turning it into a half court game. I felt like the high skill players could have been a lot better, save for a couple of great moves from really Nylander, which I thought were notable. But yeah, I, I, I thought there was a lot to be desired. Yeah, Nylander's uh, dialed in. I know a lot's been made about his uh, taking the subway to uh, the rink. That's, <laughs> that storyline uh, seems to be played out. He's actually going to take a plane uh, pretty soon here because the Leafs uh, next up, uh, they're part of that global series heading for Sweden. So uh, unless he finds uh, public transit to his liking there in his homeland, probably be planes and buses and, and whatnot. But he's in a groove. He's up to 10 goals in the season and has had a point in every single game. And big weekend, he had two goals. Uh, on Friday against the Calgary Flames. And for the Leafs, you know, they had that loss the other night against Ottawa on home ice. And so for them to bounce back with back-to-back victories against the Flames and the Canucks, they can feel a little bit better about their performance. But again, this is a Canucks postgame pod, so we'll focus on them. We've talked a couple of times about Philip Kronick's tough night, but on the positive side of the ledger, he gets the second assist on Pia Suter's power play goal that made it 2-1. to one. And so he extends his point streak. It's up to nine games now. All helpers, 12 assists over those nine games. He's within two games now of the Canucks franchise record for consecutive points by a defenseman. And you would naturally think, oh, well, that's got to be Quinn Hughes, right? No. Uh, Dennis Kearns, who was terrific for the Canucks back in the 70s, back in his day, he had an 11-game run with points from the position on the blue line and Philip Aronik right there knocking on the door. So we'll see if he can stretch his point streak to double digits when the Canucks take on the Habs on Sunday night. It's a nice cushion to have when you've got two elite defenders there, two guys that can move the puck. If one's not going, the other can find it perhaps. I have to believe that the Canucks will look better tomorrow because the chances of A. Quinn Hughes having back-to-back sort of invisible nights or... Kronik not picking him up and making him look better. I, I, I just find it incredibly hard to believe that they could duplicate this effort. I mean, the, and that goes for the elite players on the forward lines too here, Jeff. I mean, what are the chances that they look this discombobulated on back-to-back nights and there's no real, you know, travel concerns here? It's a 40-minute flight. They'll be in bed before midnight potentially in their hotel. So I think they're going to be rested enough, and I truly do believe that a guy like Hironic alongside Hughes almost ensures that that pairing looks better against the Canadians. Well, we'll get to our stat that stands out from this hockey game, and it comes from our colleague David Quadrelli, who's actually going to be sitting in with me tomorrow. Quads with this nugget from the hockey game of all NHL D-pairings with at least 100 minutes of 5-on-5 time on ice together, Quinn Hughes and Philip Hironic 
had allowed just three goals prior to tonight. This evening, they're on the ice for two goals and both against the Leafs' bottom six at even strength. So, as we said, uh, off night. Just, uh, I mean, I think you chalk it up, and I'm with you that uh, those guys have to be better. The supporting cast has to be better. And, of course, uh, we know that Casey DeSmith's going to go again in goal, and Thatcher Demko will get the night off, and I would assume we see him next when Bo Horvat comes to town, uh, the Canucks' next home game on Wednesday at Rogers Arena. Just before we wrap things up and a couple of final thoughts on the Canucks and the Habs, because there are a couple of juicy storylines there as well. But let's get a word in here for our mortgage broker friend, Jason Hominick. And he is great at uh, getting you the mortgage to make those bi-weekly or monthly payments a little bit easier to handle, but he can do more than that uh, at Jason.Mortgage. That's Jason Hominick helping you out and he'll be the guy answering the phone. He can also help you extract some value out of your home. So if you're looking for that little small reno or something bigger, contact Jason and he can get you into a new mortgage that uh, allows for a little bit of room and extracting some cash. So it's that easy. Go to jason.mortgage. Canucks coming off a 5-2 loss in Toronto. They're into Montreal on Sunday. The Habs, 3-2 winners over the Boston Bruins. And if you've looked at the NHL standings lately, uh, the Bruins don't lose often. But they did lose this one uh, in overtime. Caden Gooley with the overtime winner. I talked about a couple of storylines. Casey DeSmith was Montreal property, but he never reported, never played for the Habs. So it's hard to call that a revenge game for him. But... The guy that was picked up by Montreal in exchange for Casey DeSmith just ahead of training camp. Definitely a revenge game for him, Tanner Pearson. And it's been such a good news story just to see him resuming his National Hockey League career and more than just a passenger on this Montreal team. He's he's chipped in here and there with some points. He played 14 minutes and 17 seconds in the hockey game against the Bruins. And so uh, not that he has a grudge necessarily against anybody wearing the uniform. I think his grudge is more with the medical staff uh, of the Vancouver Canucks and he won't be facing them tomorrow night but uh certainly at the back of his mind the money on the board game whatever the case he's faced former teams before so this isn't the first time for him but uh, i'm sure it'll be good for canuck players to see tanner pearson on the other side they just don't want him to be prominent uh when they go head to head on sunday how would you play if you were tanner pearson tomorrow <laughs> you know like there's gonna be a pretty motivated player and I think he's got a lot of friends. So I don't think in a lot of cases you do this and maybe the guy drops the gloves, even if he's not a fighter per se, but I don't think he's got any grudge with no. the players, no, no. but I still think he's probably going to bring his very, very best game to the table and will be noticeable. He, he might be a little bit stiffer to play against. I wouldn't be surprised if Tanner Pearson rattles the boards a little bit. So he's definitely one guy to watch. Better not be dropping his gloves. He's got to protect those hands of his, at least uh, the one hand, certainly. I mean, we saw him get into a, the occasional scrap when he was a member of the Canucks, but he's just more about winning board battles and being physical, using his size. But again, I just think it's such a good news story because I, I really didn't know. Like, I think back at that exit meeting back in April where he was distraught, and I think the reality that his career may be flashing before his eyes at that point. So the fact that he's back and playing and playing regularly and... He had been playing with Sean Monaghan, another guy that sort of has resurrected his career. Brendan Gallagher as well. I think they were playing online together at one point. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, when the Canucks face the Montreal Canadiens. And as we mentioned a little earlier, like it's still there for the Canucks. You know, get back on the beam, get back in the wind column, pick up 
two of a possible three out of the road. And I think most people would say that, yeah, you've sort of carried that momentum from the last little homestand, you know, still heading in the right direction and, and positive vibes all around. But I think they do need to change things up a little bit and show that they can slow a game down a little bit and just grind out a two-point victory to make sure they come home with a 2-1-1 record on this road trip. Like, I am going to be dismayed if they look loose tomorrow. You know, if they are giving up a lot of chances. Like, just tighten things up, slow it down a little bit, and nurse home a victory if they can. Points in the standings, far more important than the style points that sometimes are allotted in eye-pleasing victories. Uh, this one was a good win for the Toronto Maple Leafs, not so much for the Vancouver Canucks. They're on the wrong end of a 5-2 score. That's going to do it for this edition of Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Betway. But we'll be back, just as the Canucks will, uh, after the game in Montreal. It'll be myself and David Quadrelli, and we'll do it all again and break down another one as the Canucks wrap up this road trip in La Belle Province. For Blake, this is Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of Rinkwide Vancouver.